Uh, hi everyone, welcome to Failed Rockstar Club podcast. Podcast that talks about music, mental health and fashion. Um, so, hi everyone and hi Jez. Hello. Hi Richard. Hi guys. How you doing? Are you happy? Are you happy at the moment? I'm pretty happy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling good. The room's nice and warm. Yeah. Um, everything seems to be working. Yeah. Can't yeah, argue with that. That's, t- that's two ticks. Actually, do you... Do you prefer Richard or Rick or Richie? What What is your name of choice? He's her. Uh, I like it. When, I like it when you call me Richie, Jess. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. That's got, that's got a nice kind of endearing feel to it. Well, you'll always be. You'll always be more of a Rick guy. Yeah, you'll always be Richie Mac to us. But I think yeah. when I speak to you face to face, I call you Rick. Yeah, yeah, um, tough. Yeah. Keep it tough. <laughs> tough man. Keep it tough. <laughs> um, so just get the ball rolling, Jess. I'd like yes. to have the traditional kind of beginnings of the podcast and ask you who we are, where we are, and how can you find us? Well, because I imagine once people hear we've got Richie Mack on the podcast, we'll get, there's going to be a lot of new listeners. Mm. So it, you're correct. We should introduce ourselves. Well, you are Stephen Robert Hurdle, BA Honours. I am Jeremy Peter Dixon, no BA Honours. Uh, we're in the drying room of our warehouse, uh, for bestdaysvintage.co.uk get all your stuff there and our guest this week is Richie Mack yeah, I mean he's already spoken everybody mm. knows who he is mm. that is true um, wow. yep yeah. you, uh, you got a drying room well it's like yeah. an office yeah it used to be an office but then we never used it so then it turned into a kitchen and then we only made tea in here so we realised that we've got a dehumidifier in here and the best way to dry clothes quickly is to have a heater on and a dehumidifier working all day, and it just dries it's the clothes. Expensive. Uh, it's actually cheaper than paying for a tumble dryer, which we also have, which we don't use. Well, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Then in the summer it goes outside, so yeah. you know, then it becomes an office again. Right. Hmm. But we don't really do. Right. We don't really. We only use it for podcasts because we're we're in <laughs> yeah. emergency situations with lockdown. We're normally in the shop, but because of the situation, we're we're we've had to decamp to the warehouse HQ. It could it could do with like a bit of a, like a couple of guitars on the wall behind you or something. Yeah, I thought we got we have still got the same from last week. The um, broken down pallet wood, which is going to be um, turned into something eventually. Yeah, it's in the drying room because it was nice. all wet, so yeah, it's drying out. Right. So when you get enough of it, you're gonna like clap the wall in it. Yeah, well, in the shop we clad all the tills and the counters, um, right. and we're close to exclusive. We're close to <laughs> we're close to getting the shop next door, and we're building a little counter at the back. So I'm gonna clad it with um, old pallet boards. Yeah, like, Steve will clad anything if he gets his hands. <laughs> he gets his hands on. If it can be screwed, it can be clad. <laughs> Um, so I would like to ask everyone, and um, I'll ask Jez first, so I'll give mm. you time to think, Rick. Um, if you could be friends with one member of the band, One Direction, who would you be friends with and why? Ooh. So Jez first. That's a tough question, because I don't really know their personalities as well as I'd like. Mm. But on style alone it has to be Harry oh, Harry Styles doesn't it is that too oh, obvious that's easy choice well he's the only one I can pick out of a lineup. to be honest <laughs> Niall yeah. is he another one yeah. he seems like a simple one yeah. I mean, purely basic, based on their faces mm. so but I'll pick Harry okay. I'm going to stick with Harry we, we do speak a lot about Harry in this podcast yeah. and we do te- we rarely speak about fashion and when we do we often mention Harry Styles yeah, well, he's the most fashionable man in the world yeah. fact Okay, Rick, who would you pick of One Direction? And uh, I'd probably go for uh, Zayn Malik. Yeah. Um, Why? Because I, I think he's the hottest. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if I was that way leaning, that's probably what my other half would look like. Okay. Ooh. Well, I'd be aiming for that. I might <laughs> not quite get there. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> What's the same he, he's the one who left. Is he, so, I mean, where's he from? What's his heritage? Like family he's heritage. from Idaho, in Bradford, I think. There you go. A name like Zayn Malik is. Is he from? I think a he... friend of mine used to uh, used to teach him. Okay. At junior school. Yeah. Yeah. 
good, good Zayn Malik knowledge. So, yeah. so it's quite local as well. Okay, yeah, good point. Good yeah. I went for Zayn Malik actually as well because I can remember on X Factor and they were trying to get them to do dance routines and he was painfully out of his depth. Oh, okay. During it, and it was like really embarrassing and really fucking painful. And I thought, you know what? Fair play to you. And he's left, so he's he was yeah. the first one to leave. So yeah. I assume he's got you know cred, indie yeah. cred. So for that reason, I think I picked Zayn as well. And I can't remember the other names. <laughs> yeah. You've know, you got your Niall, you've got your Louis Tomlinson. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, Louis, yeah. He's the one that's... Um, yeah, Louis, Louis. With Cheryl Coe. Is he the one that's... Don't he for Doncaster or something? <laughs> I yeah, I think he does. Does he? Or oh, did, or does? Did. I think he had a, a dalliance with him. Okay. And did he say Cheryl Crow? Uh, yeah, did Cheryl Crow. <laughs> married to Cheryl Crow. <laughs> I think there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of sort of embrace fandom going on in one direction as well. Ooh. Shut up, is there? I think I think like yeah, I think a couple of them are fans. Yeah, I think oh. Danny might have had like uh, you know Twitter backwards and forwards with a couple. Of them. Oh, nice. oh, there you go. Oh, well done. So there you go. So it's a good question then. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, credit. You can pat yourself on the back. It was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, Great research. Question. Always do your research, people. Um, all right, because we definitely weren't just doing this about five minutes before the podcast started. No, that's not like us. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got um, a little uh, quiz for you, Rick, to get so the people that don't know who you are, like our regular Russian listeners. Um, so it's a game, I played with Nicole as well, like a couple of weeks ago. Um, this game is called This or That. So I'm going to read out two things, and I want, you to te- I want you to tell me which one you prefer, all right? So, it's quite easy. Yeah. You can get it. Um, Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. Piano or keyboard? Piano. Richard Ascroft or Ian Brown? Ian Brown. Meat or two veg? (laughs) (laughs) Two veg. (laughs) Mick or Raph? Mick or Ruff? Nick. Nick. Oh, Nick. Uh, Nick. That <laughs> 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 oh, <it> was Mick. <laughs> Mick. Yeah. I'll choose Mick. Yeah, I'll choose Whatever you put or Ruff, I'm going to put the other one. Um, gigs or recording studio? Uh, gigs. Okay. Ooh. Okay. There you go. An actual question. Um, okay, so um, I like the fact that you improvised two veg there. Yeah, <laughs> he's he'd just written meat or veg, but he improvised two veg. I mean, that, this yeah. guy. Yeah, surprise me in rehearsal, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> surprise me in a live broadcast. That's how we roll here. I enjoy myself. Okay, so um, yeah, do your big introduction. I've got a big introduction yeah, yeah, yeah. for you as well. <clears throat> I've never done this before, so you well, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> We started yet? No, we're just we're just playing really at the beginning. This is where things get serious. <laughs> yeah, this is the real quiz. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, Richard McNamara, guitarist, producer, rock star, embrace, Eva, songwriter, actor, boxer, and all-round handsome badass. A man that can melt hearts, melt faces with his solos, twiddle a knob on the sound desk like a champ. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you today's special guest, Mr. Richard McNamara. <laughs> well, Edit sound effects. Yeah, wow. Edit some crowd noise. Yeah. Should have done that at the beginning, really. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Hello, sir. How are you doing? How are you keeping? I've yeah, been keeping good, actually. I've been buying lots of new pedals for my guitar. And uh, it's every day. It's like Christmas here. I get some new turning up and dry it out if I like it. Keep it if I don't like it. I sell it. And are you? It's like being Derek Trotter. <laughs> Do you, are you? Are you then looking to experiment with new sounds for Eva or Embrace or both? Or are you? How does it work? Like uh, you just, must have a just, set. It's, it's kind of that ever you know never-ending search for the perfect sort of tone or setup. Or I think they call it gas or gear acquisition syndrome. Okay. Where you're never quite happy with how it sounds, and you can never quite get on with doing anything that's you know, um, any work until you've got the perfect setup. Yeah. So it's procrastination, really. But um, because surely, like, 
after all these years, you would kind of you. I would have thought by now you'd kind of have your setup kind of nailed and you'd know how it works, how it sounds, the levels. Well, it's quite a cyclical thing. Um, so, as I've observed, it's like I kind of started off with an amp um, and I get an and I got a pedal for it, like a reverb, and then I got an amp with a reverb in it, so I didn't need a pedal. Great. And then I thought, you know what, I could do with a bit of overdrive, so then I got an overdrive pedal to go with the amp. Uh, and then the amp, didn't have the right overdrive in it, so then I bought an amp with overdrive and a reverb in it and got rid of the pedal. And then it gradually builds up till the point where a couple of years ago I had like a rack mount unit that had the an amp simulator in it and all the effects in it and like a MIDI foot pedal. Um, and it was all programmed, all perfect, all sounded exactly right on each part of every song. And I just got bored because <laughs> there's like no surprises, there's no struggle, there's no yeah. expression. You can't express yourself on something that does the same thing every time you go to it you know so I started uh, going down the pedal route again and I found the reason I kind of triggered it really is because there's a pedal come out it's probably going to be really boring for 99% of your listeners especially in Russia <laughs> but um, this <laughs> there's like a pedal came out that does like the amp sim stuff which meant I could get rid of the the axe effects which had all the multi effects in it and then go back to like all I've been like little twiddly buttons on them um so that's that's what that's what I'm pursuing at the moment, and it's it's getting ever nearer, but never never quite get there. Always out of reach. Do you ever get yeah. bored of guitars, Rick? Do you, do yeah. you ever have like yeah. time off? Uh, yeah. Well, again, that seems to be sort of like seasonal. You know, um, I kind of I kind of fell out of love with the guitar on our third album, um, which is why in the photographs I'm on a keyboard, and Mickey Mickey plays Wonder. You know. Because I just, I just couldn't be bothered with it, and um, we kind of went through a, a period of tuning down to lower keys. We kind of write the song on an E on a regular tuned guitar, and then Danny and say, "Right, you know, I want to sing it a bit lower because you know if we're going to be doing a tour." And I'm, he always tries to write the highest melody he possibly can, and then when we come to play it live, he can't sing it, so <laughs> then we have to take it down. Yeah. And they were getting lower and lower, uh, and I think I had a guitar that was down four at one point. Mickey's Wonder guitar is actually tuned down about five, I think. Um, so, and through doing that, it it doesn't work anymore. So if, as you're playing up the neck, it starts to go out of tune, which makes you look like you can't play, which is really off-putting when you, because yeah. every time you go to it, it doesn't sound quite how you want it to sound. So you kind of like fall out of it with it a little bit. Um, but like with Eva, it's all in E, and like lately um, with Embrace, I've kind of found a pedal that drops drops it down a couple. So it's the like, lowest I go to is D, and then the pedal takes care of the next one or two if we need it. Oh, okay. Either that or stop playing the fucking songs at too loud. So yeah, so I do, I do fall out with it, yeah. you know. Um, but at the moment, I'm kind of back in with it again. So are you finding then with Embrace gigs that a lot of the songs are basically... A lot, yeah, obviously a lot lower in the sound, and is that is that going to be? It depends. Really, it's it, it's it's kind of it, it it depends. It's like some of them are, some of them are, you know, some of them go up sometimes. Yeah. Um. And I noticed you're singing a lot. You're singing a lot more, right, as well. So, just kind yeah. of like giving a bit of underneath as well. It's like a support thing. Yeah, it's kind of like we all sort of try and sing as much as we can I mean there are songs when I can't physically play it and sing it at the same time so I sort of I back off on those a little bit yeah um, which means I don't have to learn the words as well which is good for me yeah. <laughs> half the time I'm just doing the vowels sure <laughs> well that's the important bit especially right? gravity when I looked up at the and I could sing <laughs> and I looked up at the and saw the song um but he tries to do the hand movements to show me which one it's going to be. Oh. So if I catch him out of the corner of my eye, if, if he does that, it's the sky. And if he does that, it's... That's all good system. If he watches live and he goes like that, it's like son. Oh, I'm going to be watching it for that now. Mm. Because we, we we did that one at my wedding. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. We got uh, video footage of that. Mm, and I no, the, the, t- the tapes were burnt. <laughs> Yeah, but I do remember at the time being like confused about whether it was a sky or a sun. Yeah, I think just made it up as we yeah, went. I think I just took a shot each yeah. time. If Rick had been there, yeah. I'd have 
made more effort to yeah. learn the words, but I was yeah. in the ballpark. Other me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we felt like it was a nice tribute when we did it, didn't we, to kind of do yeah. that. Yeah. It felt right. Mm. We did. So... That's lovely. Um, we met each... How did we meet each other, Rick? Can you remember? Uh, the first time I met you was at uh, Hammersmith uh, Apollo. Yep. Or is it Odeon? Or is that the same place? Yeah, I think it's Apollo, Smith, isn't it? Palais. Palais, Apollo? I don't Hammer know, it's Smith. a big one. Hammersmith Palais. There's two, isn't there? There's a smaller <laughs> one and a bigger one. Well, it was definitely Hammersmith, <laughs> we've established that. Yeah. Because it, was a, it was a big one. Yeah, when yeah. we... Yeah, obviously it's a big one. <laughs> um, because... Yeah, and it was a, it was the after show, wasn't it, I think? Mm-hmm. But, um, sort of like a mutual friend, was it Morgan? Yeah, maybe. Wanted me to do a well, remix look. of one of your songs, I think. Yeah, Bevan's. Um, Luke Bevans was Rick it? Bevans. Yeah. I think it came through Morgan via RJ. Oh, okay. So it was like earlier on in the tour I got the phone call asking me if I'd do a remix of a track. Um That's me climbing down your fire escape. That one. Oh yeah. 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 Um and I think I, I sort of moved some of the guitars from the end towards the front and sort of rearranged it slightly. Uh, and the next thing I was getting a phone call to would I be interested in producing you guys? Which is what was the first band I ever produced. Um, so it was a bit of a kind of like fake it till you make it moment for me. It's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll give it a go. Gosh. Well, and that then, was uh, that was what I was leading on to because when we first met, you were coming out of a, you were coming into a bit of a hiatus with Embrace, yeah. right? And you were starting down a new path in regards to producing. Was that yeah, because yeah. it was something you were keen on get on to keen to do, or did it just kind of happen? Like, did it just fall into your lap, or how did it? Yeah, yeah I really wanted to do it. You know, I kind of wanted to do it ever since Embrace started, really. But it, it, with Embrace being such a an all time consuming sort of part of my life at that point, um, it, uh, I wasn't. I didn't really have time to get into it. Um, so I kind of had a few uh, calls and conversations with management about getting somebody to manage my production career and everyone seemed bang up for it so obviously Embrace were riding crest of a wave playing uh, the big one in Hammersmith which everyone <laughs> that is and, um, <laughs> so that's, um, and then when you guys came in I think I think we did like eight or nine songs in one night didn't we um, and I think we changed one of them quite a bit and then we all sort of you know went off to bed or whatever and I, I was in the bed in my bed like worrying about oh shit maybe I've like changed that song too much and Started having all kinds of like crises of confidence <laughs> about whether I'd fucked it up or not. Um, but they came in the next day and everyone's buzzing and we listened back to it. And I think that's the most tracks I've ever done since or ever yeah. in uh, such a short, short period. Well, you guys it, were on fire. It took us all by surprise, didn't it? Really, like we were, we didn't even know what we were doing really either at the time. We worked with producers, but it was like I don't know, it felt different, didn't it? At that. Yeah, I think we, we've talked on this podcast a lot about our sort of relationship with you and how we were all kind of, without being too fanboy, we were all a bit in awe of you. You know, because you played the Hammersmith Big One. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, particularly Jez and I. Because the Hammersmith Big One. Jez and I, obviously, we were kind of, we were, we were actually, we were Embrace fans, I guess, before yeah. that. But I think Raph, for example, and I don't know about Helen or Nick, but didn't really have as much kind of... And, like no embrace as much as we did so Jez and I were particularly kind of like excited about the whole thing but we yeah so it's such a good opportunity for us but I also remember at the time it was the beginning of something you were doing so did how did you find the experience of working with young bands did you find it inspiring or did you or did it get too much in the end like pressure or um, I was I was so relieved and, and proud of myself for taking a step um, and, and working with you guys and the results that, that we got together I was immensely proud of um, pretty much everything that we did and I would listen to it um, in the car and just uh, 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 you know on the train or whatever I was you know I was bang into it what we did um, and it was a real kind of confidence booster um, the way that that I could sort of like be not in charge but kind of like oversee yeah. that many people you know it's, it's, it's not it's kind of like until you've done it it's like you don't you don't know what's involved in it because a lot of the time with production it's it's not so much about um, 
coming up with ideas. It's it's kind of making sure that the, the small voice in the room is heard, and because there's somebody in there that's got a good idea that's not getting heard because for whatever reason, for internal band politics or whatever, and there was some guy who's like maybe a bit you know a bit more <laughs> beastly, kind of like forcing their ideas through that maybe aren't as good. You know, so this of kind of people sort of sort of watching and you know mm-hmm. trying to get everyone in the right mood. Um, so it's it's quite a big ask, and I was really proud of myself for doing it. But yeah, to, to go back to your question, um, it was really inspiring to work with with bands. So I mean, some of them are, you know were fucking pain in the ass because bands are notoriously flaky. Um, but some, yeah, some were really sort of inspiring and sort of like I look back on it and go that's fucking listen to that I did that sort of thing and did you learn including you guys thank you very much did you um, so did you learn a lot from working with other producers and use almost like a footballer that's working with amazing coaches and then when they start their own coaching career they draw from influences of their experiences yeah I think we did. We did pretty much work with I think about eighty percent of the industry at one point. Because I think we went through about four people on our first album. Um, we did a couple of people tried to mix the second album. Uh, got some new production team on third. So we, we have been through a lot, and I've kind of seen all the different sort of approaches to it. Um, the one um, I respect the most probably because what was taken to the sessions and what came out made the biggest transformation was probably working with youth. Uh, and I think that's kind of what I sort of modelled my style on. If, if I thought something was was the right way to go, I'd push for it. Um, now, obviously, I don't have his Midas touch because you know, he's like a uber world-class uh, producer. Um, but it did also sort of turn me off to producers who kind of you know, make a lot of tea, sit at the back, sort of like a bit more, you know, a bit more top end on the on the hi-hat set, please, you know, to be engineer or whatever. Or guys that are glorified engineers, there's a lot of those. Or guys who got lucky with a band uh, and then went on to, you know, have an amazing career because one band made it, you know. I was yeah. kind of waiting for that band, really. I can do all, I can do all the shit. Yeah. You know, I can write songs, I can engineer, I can do all that. But it was just waiting for the one band to come along there. And you... uh, but then I guess it's that sort of second guessing saying maybe it's my fault that that didn't happen if I just got out of the way that band would have done their thing and it would have been amazing and that's, that's that kind I, of one of the questions I keep I... yourself up all night with all that shit can't you? oh yeah yeah <laughs> yep we do yeah but yeah do you, did you ever <laughs> did you ever get frustrated or feel the pressure with like some of the bands like on yourself I guess in a way as a producer because you work with some wicked bands, like like there was a time, wasn't there, where we were kind of like there's like a little crew of like some really yeah, cool Ads bands and Thomas Tantrum and there was another one, wasn't there? Kicks. Yeah, it's like I, I say, they've all got individual sort of um, personalities and an individual way of working. Um, Megan always like uh, Thomas Tantrum. I always like to sing each line by line. Um, Jimmy, bass player always wanted to do sort of like the thing the unexpected like weird thing which maybe didn't sound quite musical to my ears so I'd try and you know like playing an F against an F sharp you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that, that kind of thing um, so it's pe- people skills as much as musical skills really yeah yeah and, and, and again it's this reasons why people are in bands is, is different you know some people just want to fucking make it some people don't give a shit about making it, but they want it to the thing that you're recording to be a hundred percent truthful, no studio trickery. Mm-hmm. Other people will say put a bit more trickery on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not enough trickery. Yeah. <laughs> Turn that trickery knob up to eleven. Um, but the ones, the ones where people have got energy for the songs and and want to do it and have ambition, they're the they're the good ones. Um, I once I did a session with a band. Um, where the drummer couldn't count to four and drum. He couldn't count the band in, basically, because he's too busy concentrating on drums. But his fucking energy was, he was right there. Yeah. So he'd try and do it on the sticks, go, and then come in at a funny place. He's like, oh, I can't do it. And then the other two guys are taking the piss, you know, because it's, it's, it's quite a lot of like in jokes and bants. 
in the studio, and then eventually the singer had to go, one, two, three, four, and count them all. That was pretty funny. There was another one where the, the guitar player wouldn't show the singer the chords, because I asked him to do an overdub. Um, he, he played his part, and I said, can you just do a tracking overdub it so we can put it sort of like, it's a studio trick, you sort of pan it left and right, and it widens it and makes it bigger. He's like, yeah, some shit. I'm like, well, do you want to try it first, you know, before we, let's try it, and then if it sounds shit, I'll turn it off, you know. No, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm like, right, and then sing it. Sorry, the other guitar player's like, fuck it, just tell me what it is, I'll do it. And he's like, no, I'm not telling you. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm to, like, go through the song and work it out. <laughs> and then show the guitarist that I play it. And I'm doing it for free, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, I should have just gone, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> but that's part of yeah. the course, I guess, because also it's like a learning curve as well, dealing with those personalities and egos and in issues with bands. I n- never really considered it before that, as a producer because we just kind of like, you wouldn't really think about it from a band point of view. You'd be so immersed in your in your own kind of world, I guess, that you don't kind of consider that See kind it from of the producer's yeah. point of view, yeah. What's, what's it was the most? Really disheartening because they got they got interviewed in the enemy and they said, "What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you?" And they said, "Oh, Richard McNamara asking me to do a solo on my song." <laughs> in the enemy, it's like oh. I've just recorded your band for free. Yeah. But the funny thing was, uh, he got in touch like like last year. He goes, "Mate, I was listening to those demos that we did with you, um, and I can't believe we were such a set of assholes. It's the best thing we ever did." <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There it is. I'm like, I fucking know it, one mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kicking and screaming. <laughs> is that, would you say that's the most uncomfortable moment you've had in the studio as a producer? Uh, and if not, what is? I've got reactions to say no. Um, most uncomfortable moment. Was it when our mate Evo broke your producer's chair <laughs> and he was pissed? <laughs> I'll leave you to think about it. But sometimes, but sometimes kind of, I get, I can take a lot of, like, pushing. I think my personality, I can sort of take a lot. Um, but then when I get to the edge, I kind of like, a fucking flip. <laughs> and, uh, and then what comes out afterwards always embarrasses me. But it gets, I mean, it gets the job done and gets them pointed across, but I always think, oh, I can at least take my mask off there, mate. <laughs> That's not a good look. <laughs> no one should see behind the mask. Yeah. It was the uh, one where um, we were um, doing, like, keyboards. Um, been doing keyboards on a Nord, which has got, like, you know, like a Leslie sort of simulator on it and stuff, and we've kind of tracked all these keyboards, and they all sounded great. And, um it kind of been like, oh, we'll, we'll come back to doing keyboards, you know, just just need to work out some bits and that. But So we put these keyboards down, and the track was sounding fucking huge, sounded great. Uh, and then it's like, right, when I want to retract the keyboards with the, with the fucking Hammond and the Leslie. So this big Hammond got, like, transit vanned over with this big fucking washing machine of a speaker all set up uh, in the barn with, like, eight mics on it with the wire coming all the way back through so we could hear it and all that and all the parts were then tracked and then uh, and, and replaced all the parts that were already on the track which I kind of thought it was like can you tell it's a Leslie whereas the other one you can't it's like but the level in the mix not really if you if you just hear one thing and then the other on its own then just about because you can hear like wagons driving past <laughs> on the one that's the real one uh, but when it's in the mix, you couldn't really tell the difference. Um, so then we kind of did all that, moved everything out of the way, set up, moved all the drums out of the way so you get it all set up, um, tracked all the parts, took it all down again, put all the drums back up, got the studio back to what it was like, listening back to it, and then he's like, you know what, I'm not really sure about that keyboard part still. Um, I think it, um, I think I, mean, I think I might need to relook at it because you know I really should have you know prepared better for. 
Byrne at 2001. You might recognize me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him. Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints, and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Elf Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. out, mother crushers. Before I came in, and I'm like, <laughs> just fucking flipped. I'm like, it's fucking all right for you lads to sit there at back, getting pissed all day long. I've been in there, I've recorded that keyboard three fucking times now. First time it was fucking fine. Second time I humoured you, because you wanted to have your sound on it, whatever. Third time's not going to fucking happen, mate, right? If you don't like your fucking keyboards... Write better ones on your next album or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, and I'm like, fucking, like, lip were going like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and uh, everyone just went quiet. And then I think someone said, looks like you're not doing your keyboards again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was diffused immediately, but, yeah. God. Wow. <laughs> that oh, was probably Christ. my most embarrassing moment. Because the guy, you know, he's a lovely guy as well. So. But you can see, as a band, like you can see how you kind of like get obsessed over little details, and big pictures. Sometimes it doesn't matter. I don't know. It's like you can kind of. But yeah, at that moment it seems yeah, like the really most important thing in your life. Yeah. Yeah, when they're getting guitar sounds and stuff, and they're spending ages plugging stuff in, taking it out, A B in it, recording it. Not sure about that. Try it with that other pedal. Do it again. Yeah. And you're just going, it's some fucking guitar. <laughs> Yeah, no one gives a shit. <laughs> if it's got a little bit more middle on it. Yeah. I'll turn it down, do you? Yeah. Not but, when you're doing it on there. No. But it does, it's so, you must know that, eh? It's so important, isn't it? The time you're like stressing about it, going, oh, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. Mm. But yeah. one of the things I want to ask you is when we were, when we were a couple and we were going, we often talk about the time that we felt like we kind of lost our way as we kind of went further and further along. Did you feel that with us? Did you feel like as a band that it was like kind of losing its direction or did you feel like it was just... I kind of, I felt like, um, initially it was like, yeah, it's going to happen, sounds fucking incredible, probably because it was similar to sort of what we were, uh, certainly from sort of like a, a direction emotionally it was coming from was similar to st- yeah. stuff that we were doing. Um, which was uh, doing really well, and um, is what I what I'm good at doing. Um, I played it to a couple of people sort of early on, and they were kind of the vibe was like, "Yeah, I really like it. I just feel, just feel like it might just be a little bit last year, you know." Yeah. Um, so it's like, which I kind of I don't think I fully got at the time. Yeah. And it's like last year. Well, I fucking like albums from like ten, twenty years ago. What's last year got to do with it? Um, so I didn't really have that perspective on on that um, and then I think as it went along you kind of like I was talking to Adam Noah the other night about this um, or it might have been in the first one that we did you kind of when you start out as a band um, as I embrace all the music you know when, when we got the deal or whatever it's like you're at the front of the wave and everything you do everything follows it because everything's following that part of the wave and then gradually other things come along and you start going back on the wave and then, you know, Keener at the front or Coldplayer at the front. So then you start chasing that. And as soon as you start chasing it, you start sinking. you got to keep doing what, what you're, what's true to you, you know, yeah. as an artist. And I think New Adventures, um, I think we maybe started to chase a little bit. Um, I don't think we ever went, you know, wildly out of, out of your comfort zone. But I think like, it felt like it's like what do people want us to do rather than what do we mm. want to do. We've always spoken about, or Jez has said lots of times, that as a band, that he felt like, oh sorry, I'm talking for, for you, but, no, go for it. but he just felt like we... You're quoting me. Yeah, that he should have been stronger with like his vision, 
and that it ended up being like quite a democracy as a band yeah. and as a unit and lots of ideas were being flung around right yeah I mean I didn't have a clear vision yeah. at the time yeah. I don't think and that was part of the problem but somebody needed to maybe take the lead within the band obviously you were kind of overseeing everything but mm. one of us needed to kind of say right we want it to sound like this this is how it should I don't know because mm. we spent time like analysing yeah I mean, like that that, if you'd have come forward with with something like that, if you'd have said, oh, this is the track I think this should sound like, then we'd have definitely tried it, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sort of, like, I don't go into it thinking I have to have all the ideas. No. I can, I'll have ideas and I'll yeah. have approaches. I mean, we did um, Hanging Over Harvest Festival, didn't we? Yeah, so we did. And uh, Hanging Over the, you know, Who's Gonna Ride You Wild Horses <laughs> sort of version. Yeah. Um, Both so good, we, I think. You know, we tried it a couple of ways. Yeah. Um, but I always think that, yes. was, that, was, that was on us as, as a people. Yeah. As not as much as a band, but as people, that that's like one of the issues that kind of we had as a kind of unit. But also, we also say that it's also one of the good things about what we did, and the reason that we still still friends, like after all these years, because we all had ownership in a project. None of us kind of walked away and like fuck that and wash your hands of it. Everyone had an ownership, and as a mus- as bands, there's kind of good and bad things about that kind of dynamics. And musicians that are listening to it, there's probably like these little interplays that happen, but. I don't know. It's hard to know what works. Like what works for different bands, I guess. How how much of a democracy is embrace? Would you say? Um, it's not a democracy. Um, it's whoever has the best idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll kind of bring songs. Danny tends to bring songs, sort of like, which will be like a bit of a verse here, a bit of a chorus there, and like some of the lyrics done. Uh, and he'll play it really slow and kind of sometimes it's hard to see it really in honesty but we kind of know that going through the process of you know working on it all day as a band that's kind of what in, in, for me anyway that's kind of what makes me try and come up with something really good if it, if it, you know if it brings an ace song I'll just start like oh fine ring you know I can just ring out the chords on this one <laughs> but if it's like it's a song I don't really like then I'll really try and get an approach or, or a way of I'll kind of do the production sort of thing you know sort of try this try that slow it down speed it up change key you know just throw it around a bit see what happens with it um, but if if he wants it to go one particular way uh, and the four of us you know don't agree he'll keep pushing for it until he's happy that it sounds shit the way he wants it done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, improving. It's kind of between me and him. It's kind of like who who kicks the hardest on it. Um, so he's he's got a reputation for like you know never backing down and that kind of thing. But I think I think when I'm right, he kind of knows that you know it's just it's like a weird chemistry thing, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's, I mean, I know these bands out there where you go like. How about speed it up a BPM, you know? And drummer will go, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Bass player will go, I like that. Singer will go, oh, I don't know about that. And then we'll go like, right, let's have a vote on it then. Who says we should speed this song up by one BPM, you know? And in the meantime, the world spun another 800 miles. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, no one gives a shit. Just <laughs> fucking try it, you know? And if you notice tomorrow and you still don't like it, we'll change it. You know, it doesn't have to be bang right every time you, you know, press record. I think that's something that bands get hung up on. I once worked with a singer and I said, do you want us to go in and uh, get us a level? And she went and put the song and she went in and she started singing at the end of it. She came out and, you know, started packing her bag. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I, I thought I'd finished. I'm like, no, I'm just getting levels on mic. Get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> she went in and did her first take and then she came back in again. I'm like, what are you doing? What do you think? That it? Amazing. Yeah, she might. She might have been perfect. She yeah. might have been a Whitney. She wasn't Whitney Houston, was she? Like straight in there, job done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a guitarist that does that, isn't there? Tyre's husband. What's he called? Don't care. Number his name. Apparently, Liam Gallagher, when he did um, Champagne Supernova, did it in like two takes. Yeah. Did it right there, didn't he? Yeah. Did a job, didn't he, boy? Oh, he's got. He's got a voice on him, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, do you? How do you look back on your career of embrace? Do you? Do you think you've done everything you wanted to do is there still stuff you would like to try and do or you... uh, I'm really surprised at how long it's lasted but I, did, it, I mean lately there seems to be lots of really surprising things happening it's like headlining the piece all in 20 
And then playing arenas like last year, just before lockdown, literally the, the Sunday night before the Monday, playing at Leeds Arena. That like you know, I mean, I think like twenty percent of people didn't show up, but it still looked packed. Yeah. So it's, it's the longevity of it. I think looking back, you can always sort of say if we'd done something different. For instance, like instead of having Last Gas as our first proper single, had Fireworks, our career would have been a completely different path, and it might have been a much more successful one. You know, I think those try to rock out. It's not a good look, quite a lot of the time. Um, there's something about, you know, there's something about the way that we, like, jive together that doesn't quite rock. Um, so we sh- maybe we should have gone with fireworks, you know. People were saying at the time you should go with fireworks, but I'm like, well, bad, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you were, you must be what twenty three at the times. Yeah. What you want to do about twenty three uh, is just rock rock out, right? Rock yeah. out with your cock out. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you want to be a rock star, not a roll star. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what? Um, okay. But you know, it's, it's like you know, you can look back and say I made all these mistakes, but you know, I'm probably making some now. Talking like, to what, us. What are the mistakes I'm making now? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, don't, go on a, don't go on a podcast with <laughs> a failed rock star club. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most. That's the most recent mistake. What, get cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> Genuine question. What do you think is the key to your longevity? Why Why do you think you are still so, like, resonate with so many people and have done for um, so long? You've got such a loyal there's a, fan base. There's, there's a saying in music which is if you tickle their ear and they'll love you for a year, but if you touch the heart, you'll never part. And I think our songs touch people's hearts. And I think that's that's why we, they stick with us. And I think they also stick with us because they see a certain like level of underdogness with us. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've never fully reached that potential. Um, I think that's another thing. And, and I think that like sticking together as the same five members is, you know, it's not a lot of bands like that. It's like Radiohead, you know, mm. Travis, you two. Yeah. I think of many others, no. you know. Because yeah, I was I was gonna say Idlewild were another band. Other they changed members, mm. but as a band, they've kind of always had that kind of like long career, but with a loyal fan base, but never quite kind of never quite. Yeah, never got. I mean, Mogwai are at number one this week, aren't they? Yeah, who Mogwai? That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, number one after after twenty three years. Eh? Yeah, bloody hell! I didn't know that. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. So. T- do you have do you have a favourite album that you've done as a as a band? Um, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> okay. Is it always the, is it always uh, the next one? Question. Is it always the next one? Uh, it's kind of like this. I really loved the last one. I think they really knocked that out of the park. The thing that disappointed me about it was with all the singles were all my, literally my three least favourite songs on it. One of them I didn't even want to be on it, and it ended up being a single. And it's, that's just that's kind of stuff that like really fucking makes you cynical about this industry. It's like, oh, they're not going to play it. Radio's not going to play it. I'm like, you think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why don't we give them the good one? Well, what's the good one? Well, I like this. Well, I don't like that one. Oh, fuck's sake. Let's have a vote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you kind of got to bow down to other people's expertise on that one, okay, like yeah. radio pluggers and stuff. Um, so I, I mean, I, I like them all for different reasons. Mm. Good one, well, obviously, because it's a fucking. How the hell did we do that at that age? Yeah. In those times, I mean, recorded it to tape. Yeah. Um, drawn from memory because it was so different, and because we had such a, a laugh um, making it. Skip the third one. Fourth one because it were a, uh, an immense comeback after getting dropped. Um, I felt like that, you know, our lives had been saved, you know, maybe by Coldplay giving us a song or whatever, but everything that year just seemed to go really well. This new day, disappointed in because it showed a lot of early promise of being like our absolute masterpiece. Um, 
Tally's album. I love how different it is. I love how dark it is. Um, I love how daring it is for us. Uh, and then Love is a Basic Need. It's just got some of the best stuff we've ever done on it uh, uh, 25 years after we started, um, which is amazing, I think. I mean, I, I know bands say that, and I have said that about our albums where I didn't think that, but I genuinely do think there's like two or three songs on that that are like up there with the best that we've ever done. Well, that's one of the kind of why I wanted to say that, is because I've heard Danny say that quite a lot. This is the best we've ever done like before each album. And I just wonder in January whether or not that is the case and with a bit of hindsight. Because I always, I actually do think that the reason that you, people are stuck with you guys is because you're always, often, more often than not, you're still innovating and you're still being relevant. And you haven't just, you're not sitting back as a band on your laurels and just going, here's the hits. More often, you know, you're still trying to plough forward and still writing good songs. Well, yeah, the last two albums are some great stuff on Yeah. And I think yeah, that. I actually honestly do believe it. I think people need that as well. You can be a fan of a band and you can be a fan of the past of a band, but to keep going as well. I think, uh, I think you want to sort of, when, when a band brings a new album out, you kind of want them to nod to the, what you like about them. Yeah. Like the sound that you like and yeah. the sort of themes that you like. But then you want to see them, you want them, you want them to be presentable to someone else who, who might not be a fan. Yeah. Who knows you're a fan, but maybe don't like him? Like, like Ryan young, Adams is like that with me. Younger like band, his new album. Younger kids as well, right? Like you're getting of a certain age as we are, and but you know you've been around for yeah. a long time, and it must be hard to kind of think, oh, am I being relevant to the kids? Like we spend a lot of our time with young people, right? And it's like trying to we find it interesting to think that bands have been around for a long time that's relevant to young people, even now. Do you get do you get a lot of youngsters at your kids? Yeah, I don't, I don't, that's not really that's not really. It. A worry for me. Um, I sometimes kind of find myself doing things and think to myself, "Does that sound dead?" And I don't really know because I don't have that perspective of like you know, having heard it in black and white or whatever. Um, and I, plus, I do stuff with like Ella and you know Eva. Seems to be kind of like more for a younger sort of crowd. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't think Embrace don't. Or certainly on the last album, we didn't try and you know reinvent the wheel or anything we just kind of like it was like a no second guessing sort of thing you know and i i didn't really have the energy to do my usual like well let's plug a plug a few things in and wiggle them about on it it was very much like capturing what the what the songs were and you know it was all about that really an embrace album it's a classic embrace yeah. album it's a classic embrace yeah. album right it is it is yeah i think so yeah. i have a question richie I've gone, yeah. with, I've gone with Richie. During that period, during the, the gap between the third album and the fourth album, in the, the dark, let's call them the dark years, how, yeah. how was your mental health and how you, did you struggle with, with what was going on in that period or did, did you always know it was going to work out? How, how did you feel? Um, I, kinda, I think I've always had faith that it's going to work out. Um, looking back, it's terrifying how close I came to sort of like, you know, losing my house, bankruptcy sort of style. Um, I think I had about 200 quid in my account, you know, and a grand going out at the end of the month and nothing coming in. Um, so I was literally like selling everything. And then we got the V Festival, which I think paid us 15 or 30, I can't remember, grand. Um, so that basically sorted us all out for the next, you know, six months. I mean, and we were signed at that point. We got we got dropped um, like a week before we played the Albert Hall. Uh, so we played the Albert Hall without a deal and then we pretty much got... Andy came to that gig, Andy McDonald, and he sort of said he wanted to sign us at the gig. So then he's like, right, so it's three months before we get any money. We can probably live on what the Royal Albert Hall's brought in for a couple of months. Uh, and then he sort of funded the writing of it, which took far too long. Um... But I mean, it's a great album, so that, you know, the ends justify the means or whatever. Um, but mental health-wise, I think I don't, I don't remember having any, um, any obvious problems, dark moments, or anything like that. I was too busy focusing on making it work, mm-hmm. and I had a young family as well, which is um, always a laugh. Um, and sort of brings you back down mm-hmm. to earth whenever you start drifting off in, maybe into dark clouds. Yeah, so yeah, mental health wise, yeah, not much to report from my end. I know Danny's been through a few few 
few times. Mm. Um, but me, no, I'm okay. Good. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for like the sort of family life and having kids. You, you almost don't have the time to kind of mope, essentially, because yeah. there's, there's always something to do. There's always a a kid to entertain mm. or a kid to look after. Yeah, I, think yeah. I mean, been... some you know some mental health problems are obviously a lot more serious than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't remember getting any any too much darkness. Okay, good. Um, I want to just ask. Um, we got we got questions. Listen to questions. Listen to questions. Would you yeah. believe? Ooh. Well, yeah. Well, one's just come in. Yeah. <laughs> Timing. <laughs> Would you believe it? Do you want me to go through them? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay. First one, this is from Josh. If you made a solo album, what would it sound like? Uh, refugees. Oh, okay. Probably. That's oh, a good reference. Uh, oh, maybe, yeah, either that or all that remains. Or both. Okay. Have, you ever, have you ever thought about doing something uh, like Yeah, that? How, how close have you come to making a solo album? Well, where you're, where you're sleeping was going to be a solo thing. Um, I guess I didn't think the lads would like, think it fitted the album, or I thought there might be some pushback on it, but they all loved it, so it kind of went on there. I don't really have the um, the ego or the push to want to do a solo album. Is it because yeah. when you write a good song, you think that'll be good for the band? Uh, yeah, Um well, it's kind of I'm kind of in two bands now, or three. Yeah. So it's it's like if I get a good idea, I sort of think, right, where am I gonna where am I gonna put this sort of thing? But it's kind of like pretty obvious which one which ones I wish, and um, and then I take them to the band, and if you know if Danny Danny struggles to sing it, then I'll end up singing it. Huh? You know. But yeah, solo album, not really, not really something I'm given that much thought to. Okay. That answers your question, Josh. Karen Newcomb, what song would you play someone who had never heard your music? Uh, one song. It was. Let's say it's, it's Karen Newcomb. It's, <laughs> let's say it's an alien who has never heard any of your music. Which song best represents? I suppose which one are you most proud of? I guess interpret it any way you like. Um. It's, well, it, the thing is, sometimes people say, you know, what's, you're, you're in a band, what does it sound like? And I'll, I'll play the biggest hit, so I'll come back to what you know, or Nature's Law or something like that. Or Gravity. Um, I think my favourite songs are probably somewhere between Ashes, Drawn From Memory. Um, probably one of those two. Okay. Strong choices. Liz Nye, what is the greatest film ever made? She, uh, she wants a definitive answer. She asks that question every week. <laughs> Favourite film, Alien. Oh. Alien, oh. Cracking choice. Because it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid and I had dreams about it for oh. probably a couple of years. That and American Werewolf in London. Because yeah. my dad used to just bring these films home and put them on. <laughs> yeah. And then, like... Because there's not much else to do back in the day. <laughs> Instead of watching them, <laughs> you watch them a hundred times. The ones that stay with you the longest are always. I think that's always a good sign that it's mm. one of the better ones. Uh, Nick Adnit, what is the one piece of technology you couldn't live without? Keep it clean. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Looking around, see what you see. <laughs> thing I'd give up technology wise yeah well, what's, what's technology I mean clothes are technology aren't um, well again interpret this this is all I've got it's just I haven't got any your underpants <laughs> so, so broad these questions um pacemaker uh, <laughs> guitar I guess guitar <laughs> That's a perfectly good answer. That's fine. An electric one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely technology. Yasmin <laughs> asks, if you weren't a musician, what would you be? Uh, I'd probably do be working with my hands. Ooh. Lovely. 
He's got good strong think, hands. Because I quite, I quite enjoy that. Some crafty, maybe electronics or. Oh yeah, yeah. Be good well, I'm making things. Okay. Just built a shed actually. First, first shed I've built in twenty odd years. Just built another one. Yeah. Yeah. What from Didn't scratch? Garden out there. What, what you'd from, expect? From, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from scratch or from uh, put it together DIY style? Uh, well, the wood was already planks, okay. but from that. Okay. From planks. Yeah. From planks. From planks to a shed. By Richard McNamara. <laughs> yeah. Carl W, I don't know if this is Carl Weathers or what his name is, but he asked, if you could relive one day of your life over again, which one would it be? Um, probably, uh, one day of my life. I don't know, there's been some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> the first day you met Jess? <laughs> It's not the yeah. first day you met Jez, is it? That's got to be up there. It's got to be up there. Uh, you know, that's a really good question, then. It depends which way you want to go with it. I think career-wise, it's probably when we found out that Out of Nothing was the number one. Yeah, nice. That must have felt amazing. Because we were all skin and suddenly we were, we were back again. And we yeah. were, you know, in Mallorca on a yacht um, for a secret gig. We just so happened to like go to number one that day. That was that was like the perfect storm oh, of awesomeness. That was yeah. That's that's the day. Yeah, because that's like yeah. four years of work and graft and toil, isn't it? As well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, that was that was the one. I think. All right. Well, there's five. Pick one of those. Okay, I'm gonna pick one more. Have well, you ever, have you, John? Have you ever punched anyone in the face? <laughs> Johnny yes. Boy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Psycho John. <laughs> Psycho John. Or John the Psycho, yeah. if you prefer. Um, not, yeah, but he has put in brackets, not, probably not, not as boxing. Many as you'd think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. He put in brackets, not boxing. Mm. So that doesn't count. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, yeah. This that one. is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There it is. All right, cool. Um, so um, we're getting towards the end, but before we finish, I want to ask you, Rick. Hope you've done your homework. If you play our regular feature, Band for Life. Jez, um, to the yeah. um, good people of Podcast World, can so, you explain yeah, to it? This is a feature we ask all of our guests to pick two bands or artists, one band they could listen to for all time, not get bored, uh, and another band that they would erase their music from the face of the earth. Rick? Yeah, I struggled with the second half of that question. I've got the first half. Mm-hmm. Most people do. No one likes to, <laughs> no one likes to shit on anyone. I think I think Nicole made it with DJ Khaled. Mm. <laughs> well, you're allowed that as well if you want. Yeah, it's cheating, but yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you seen Have you seen DJ Khaled stuff? No, we're not really that familiar with his work. No. no. Have you Have you not seen the uh, here's, here's some money for your mama. Go buy your mama house. Here's some. Uh, oh, hang on, I'm getting oh. a phone call. Oh, I thought um, that was DJ Khaled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like uh, there's some money for no reason. It's like giving him money and then telling him to wear his headphones and put his glasses on all in this video. Oh, it's in the middle of like um, Jason Derulo song. Jason Derulo. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh Derulo. Chris Brown. Yeah. Well, yeah he Chris can Brown. fuck off. Yeah. All them wrong-ins. Yeah, he's a wife beater, Chris Brown. Yeah, he's, didn't he beat up Rihanna? Mm-hmm. That's the one. Yeah. That's my, yeah, that's the extent of my knowledge. Needed. I don't know any song he'd done. Would I know any of his songs? Chris Brown? Yeah. 
I would. Could yeah. you? I can't remember myself right now, but he has <laughs> done a couple of hangers. Um, <laughs> oh, well, they've been erased. <laughs> okay, well, not anymore, is it? Okay, and a band for life. Who would you choose for your band for life? Uh, you two, probably. Oh, uh, okay, of course. Because I've been listening to them since I was 14. Yeah. And you still doesn't show any signs of abating. And you still, so, yeah, you still love them as, as you still love them then, do you? As much as you ever have done? Uh, probably not as much as I ever have done, but um, yeah. I, the, the songs that I do love as much as I ever have done, I still love. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the latest stuff. There's still a couple of fucking crackers on there. I tend to like them more nowadays when they, they do sort of like just acoustic versions. It feels a little bit like they're getting their own way sometimes, ironically. <laughs> Um, because that's one of the titles, one of the songs. Get out of your own But yeah, the, you know the last tour that they did, um, which I've watched on the YouTube's. Yeah, uh, it's fucking banging, really good. And they playing the hits, or are they playing new ones as well, or are they sticking to the hits? They're a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Kind of always do like a sort of you know play all the ones you want to hear, but they kind of like take you on a new journey each time. Get into it. Did you like the album that was put on everyone's iPods without the masking? I wasn't a massive fan of that one, but there were a couple of songs on there I quite liked. Because yeah, that was the last one I had. No line on the horizon, wasn't it? That? Yeah. I lost it. Yeah. I like the best of you two. That's a classic. <laughs> Good album. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so to finish up, um, Jez has picked a song for us all to enjoy before, as we kind of um, yeah. go to sleep. Listen, so anyone has got through the whole of this podcast, well done. Uh, yeah. And as a special Props. treat, Jez has you gonna, this. Yeah, Jez has done a feature. We like to call this feature. Ooh, that the song sound weird when you read them out. So Jez is going to read a song. Yeah. So lyrics on the song. <laughs> I shall be reading aloud, Missy Misdemeanor Elliot's. Classic, work it. Work it. Okay. Now I won't repeat, I'll do the first course and then I won't repeat the other courses. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> DJ, please pick up your phone. I'm on the request line. This is a Missy Elliott one time exclusive. Come on. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Mm-hmm. Then she says that same thing backwards, but I won't I won't do that bit. If you got a big let me search you and find out how hard I got to work you. I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. What does he mean by that? Which bit? Oh. <laughs> a thing. Well, <laughs> interpret it however you like. I'd like to get to know you so I could show you. Put the pussy on you like I told you. Give me all your numbers so I could phone you. Your girl acting stank, then call me over. Not on the bed, lay me on your sofa. Phone before you come, I need to shave my... <laughs> chocha? I'm going to go with chocha. Okay. You do, or you don't. Or you will, or won't you. Go downtown and eat it like a vulture. Oh. <laughs> See my hips and my tips, don't you? Mm-hmm. See my ass and my lips, yep. don't you? Yep. Lost a few pounds on my waist for you. Ooh. That's the kind of beat that go ratata, ratata, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> Sex me so good, I say blah, blah, blah. Work it. I need a glass of water. <laughs> boy, oh boy, it's good to know you. If you're a fly gal, get your nails done. Get a pedicure. Get your hair did. Boy, lift it up. Let's make a toaster. Let's get drunk. That's going to bring us closer. Don't I look like a Halle Berry poster? See the Belvedere playing tricks on you. Girlfriend want to be like me? Never. You won't find a bitch that's even better. I make you hot as Las Vegas weather. Listen up close while I take it backwards. I'm not a prostitute, but I could give you what you want. I love your braids and your mouth full of floss. <laughs> love the way my ass go bum 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 bum. Keep your eyes on my bum 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 bum. Mm-hmm. And think you can handle this gadong dong dong. Take my thong off and my ass go vroom. <laughs> Cut the lights on. So you see what I could do. Oh, no, actually, there's one little... This bit's a pick for me. Boys, boys, all types of boys, black, white, Puerto Rican, Chinese boys, white tai tai, oh, toyo tai tai, rock tai tai, oh, toyo tai tai. There you go. 
There you go. Classic. I think we've all learned a little bit there. That's genius. I feel a bit uncomfortable, if I'm honest. I feel like... Yeah, it feels slightly Sex, uncomfortable. Sexually charged. Yeah. In a tight room. You wouldn't want to listen to it in front of your mum and dad, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so well, everyone, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening to the Foul Rockstar Club podcast, a podcast that talks about music, mental health and fashion. And thank you very much, Rick, for being a friend and caring about us and coming on to this podcast. That, about. <laughs> that, that cracked up but basically said you guys are brilliant and Steve you're my favourite yeah. <laughs> probably what he said we'll, we'll never know we'll never know what he said there uh, so thank you and good night yeah cheers Rich speak to you soon bye bye no no